Hello, I'm Rachel Lyman. We want to welcome you to Interfaith Connection, a Spiritual Life Center monthly podcast dedicated to the exploration of faith traditions that promote love. Our study will allow us to build bridges of understanding, acceptance, love, and peace. My partner in so many ways on this journey is Rev. Dave Lyman. He's our Senior Minister for Interfaith Explorers. He's an ordained interfaith minister and my beloved husband. As we start our second year, we continue our grand adventure of exploring interfaith. We're so excited you have joined us today. So buckle up for our 2022 adventure with today's podcast. Well, good morning. It's November, a beautiful, beautiful, crisp, sunny day out there in Sacramento. And I can't believe this is our November podcast already. And we're excited to have this will be our 23rd recorded podcast. I can't believe that either. Whoa. So this is Rachel Lyman, of course, uh, with my weird sense of humor, Interfaith Explorers. But before we begin begin today's podcast, I just want to remind people that Interfaith Explorers, our, our mission is not just to give you information about different faith traditions and what I call the nuts and bolts fashion of how they worship and what they believe, but also we want to talk to people who have actually gone out and connected with people in various faiths and what those connections have done for them. And over the years in doing this work, we found that sometimes it's life-changing. And uh, if you listen to what other people have experienced, we hope you will also be encouraged to take that step out and meet somebody from a different culture or a different faith tradition. So that's our goal to build pieces, bridges of understanding. So today I'm so excited I have with me uh, a friend of almost 20 years, I guess, of Suzanne Joy Livingston. And um, she's a very dear friend of mine. And Suzanne is the author of two books. The first one is called By Divine Appointment. And that tells the story of how Spiritual Life Center, which during this podcast, I'm going to say SLC for short, uh, was after it was designated as a unity church, it actually became the very first interfaith-focused unity church in the area and probably in the nation. We don't know. <laughs> and years later, her second book, called It's Not the Same Without You, is a collection of stories about the people and many from Spiritual Life Center who most influenced Suzanne's journey intellectually, physically, and most of all, she says, spiritually. Currently, Suzanne is very busy. She's a first-year interfaith ministerial student in the newly accredited Spiritual Leadership and Peace Studies program. So welcome, Suzanne. It's so wonderful to have you here today. Thank you, Rachel. I'm happy to be here. Happy to be with you, too. Thank you. 
And so um, <clears throat> I'd like to have people see what your early experiences uh, in your interest in interfaith was like. And uh, we just mentioned that Spiritual Life Center was very interfaith focused. So can you tell me as a congregant of Spiritual Life Center for a long, long time, uh, do you have some special interfaith memories that you'd like to share with us today? Sure do. Part of it, of course, is working with you on the interfaith classes that we did for a year and a half, where we invited people from various religious sources and expertise to come to Sacramento and do presentations for participants and uh, uh, learn from them, not just about their religion, but about their practices and rituals and food and dance and art. And we had a great time doing that. Special spiritual experiences are a different thing for me. It's my experiences as, as a congregate. After 9-11, the SLC kids took a plastic globe and put Band-Aids across it to give to the Muslim youth after 9-11 as a tool to help them heal. Uh, I remember when Zaki Syed went to the state capitol where we were working together uh, to honor the people who were injured in an attack on the Hindu religion or on the, yeah, the Hindu religion. And Zaki wrote and performed a, a rap a piece that he wrote um, for the Muslim children or for the Hindu children. That was very special. That was, it was amazing to me and that a Muslim, Muslim teenager would do that. Uh-huh. And you were there on the state capitol steps at that time? Yes. Mm -hmm. Yes, I was. It was a beautiful moment. Uh, also, every year, a tradition was Sister Hansa from the Brahma Kumaris would come to SLC and we would stand outside no matter the weather and receive blessings from Hindu, or Hindu, sorry, Brahma Kumaris. <laughs> they are. They, Circle, they, yeah. yeah. Hinduism. Yeah. Yeah. They're sort of the female led version of Hinduism, which I think is an interesting thing that, that would be good to look at. But they would come and we would celebrate the season of light and we'd get bracelets and we would get treats and the, the and you know the name for this. Bindi. And a bindi. Bindi on our foreheads. It was, a, it was a, something I looked to, forward to every year. And I still have some of those bracelets that I wore till they fell off. I think I have some too. <laughs> I, I just hold on to them. I keep them as a memory. The big one for me was when 35 people from SLC traveled to the Parliament of World Religions, something I always wanted to do. Um, we went up to Salt Lake City, a beautiful place. And 
you and Dave and Sherry Rogers put this all together for us to travel up there as a group and then take our individual tours up there. It was a gorgeous thing. I went on a woman's peace march, um, several silent art. We saw the, the uh, mandalas being created. My favorite memory of that was a, a tall uh, Catholic priest walking with his arm around a, a, a Hindu brother as, as friends. And that's what it was all about. Friends. That, that, Friendship. that was an extraordinary experience. And, um, and then there's a one coming up in 2023 in Chicago, uh, which is where the very first one started in, in the 1800s. And uh, from that, uh, the Unity Church was birthed really in the first uh, from the first uh, ideas that were listened to during that first um, World Parliament of World Religions. Yeah, that that was an extraordinary uh, time. In fact, we probably will have a podcast next year about that and some of people's experiences for sure. I'm so, hoping to go. In in 2010 in Spiritual Life Center, because I just I, I was raised Presbyterian, so I didn't know anything about unity. <laughs> and um, so in 2005, I walked in the door, and by 2007, I became. They were starting what they call ministries. So if you were interested in having like, it's like uh, groups, you know, and uh, you'd have to. Uh, set it up so that whatever you did uh, adhered to the SLC guidelines for their mission. And so I got interested in interfaith, and that was 2010. And like you said, you, we started those uh, in a year and a half. We had 10 three-hour class experiences, they, they were called, uh, which were pretty fantastic. But uh, I wanted to ask you, because I know you have special memories of the very first one. <laughs> and that was the second one we did, actually. The very first one we did, actually, because we were at our facility now on um, Parktown Circle before it was the building was configured into what it is now. And so we, were, uh, we started this class way in the back of a building. And there were like over 70 of us crammed back there. Can you uh, share uh, any memories you have of that first class? <laughs> Without <laughs> laughing, <Yeah>. no. <laughs> well, I would definitely say that was the, the, the class that most attracted me to the program. We had a, a, a professor from the Bay Area come, uh, Dr. Dunesia from the Hindu tradition. And we didn't know her. We talked everything we knew about her, we did on the telephone. And then that afternoon, she pulled up to the side door and started taking out all these books and pamphlets and cloths and food and everything you can imagine. It took three of us to unload a Volkswagen. It was just like a clown car of stuff. Um, Whenever her, her car rose three feet after she emptied, after we emptied everything. <laughs> she, and she had asked us to get 
to bring some flowers. And so you and I bought a bouquet of roses, not for free, of course. And then she got there and she really only wanted one rose because she just wanted the petals to scatter onto the table. <laughs> well, we had lovely flowers for a week or so. Um, the second thing was we had we were in a circle. We had it staged in a circle, and she had put we had put these stacks of books on the chairs. And as people came in, they did what we would do and then put them on the floor. That was not okay. These were sacred texts, and she became quite adamant about everybody picking up the stack of books and putting it on their lap or someplace else. After she did her presentation, which was marvelous, and we didn't really expect this, we thought we were done there. She said, no, no, we're setting up a banquet table. So we had a table that we didn't put the legs up on, on the floor, covered with these beautiful cloths, scattered with rose petals, filled with treats and foods from the, her tradition. It was just amazing. We had pieces of oranges and melons and, and dates and all kinds of wonderful things that were new to most of us. And, and we tried them. We accomplished our purpose with that visit. For as funny as it was and hard as it was to put it all together, it was a growing experience that I will never forget. Now that was, that was extraordinary. And then, um, what happened was one of our congregants is a fire marshal. <laughs> and he said, you know, gently, uh, you can't cram 70 people in this space. So after that, we began to have our classes in the uh, social hall at Pioneer Congregational Church. And we actually averaged, Suzanne, 100 people for every one of those wow. spirit uh, classes. It was incredible. People were just just anxious to learn about uh, different faith traditions at that time. So it was very extraordinary. So tell us about your, gosh, as if you aren't busy enough, you've become a first-year interfaith ministerial student. Wow, that's <laughs> in the Spiritual Leadership and Peace Studies Program. I, have, I know nothing about this, so I'm going to ask you, tell us about the program, who leads it, uh, how long does it take? Uh, who accredits the program? And, and what, what, is, what is expected of you as a student for class assignments and that sort of thing? Well, this is a program that was a labor of love by a, a fellow chaplain of mine, uh, Dakota Wynn, who runs a, the Wynn Family Services Program which is set behind Spiritual Life Center. Um, the program itself is a 16 to 20 months. We expect it to be ordained and we'd be ordained by the Interfaith Circle out of San Francisco, which was part of a program developed by two other friends of ours, Betsy Johnson and Maureen White. And as you said, yourself, Rachel, look at Maureen White's name, and she has a half a page of credentials following it. Two extraordinary women who really 
know and understand interfaith in ways that I hope to move toward during this program. You asked me typically what the program, what it's about. I can't really speak to that. <laughs> we do have a, an established curriculum and we do have a suggested reading list. However, a great deal of what we do is, is focused on personal experiences. Creatively in the classroom, we do some coloring and work with beads and do some wonderful meditative practices. Outside, we explore available interfaith opportunities. We keep in touch with local agencies as well as statewide agencies to find out what we can attend, what we can be part of. My time in Kauai is certainly an expression of that. It was, it was just what came arose naturally. And I felt the freedom to do that. It's a great program. I was a little surprised you weren't there. <laughs> well, actually, I, I, I think what happened with me is, um, well, for the last five years, my focus has been on my my family. Yes. And uh, then two years ago, uh, when COVID hit, um, <laughs> we were off, given the opportunity to do a week. Uh, uh, let's see, Reverend Deborah Phillips suggested we offered podcasts to us, mm -hmm. um, weekly podcasts. And I went, weekly podcasts? <laughs> So uh, we ended up saying, well, how about monthly podcasts? And, and then we started in and uh, um, I actually have been orchestrating the direction of all these. And so we tried to figure out some kind of a semblance of a program. <laughs> and um, so that's where uh, my focus has been. But I, I kind of heard about this program uh, on the breeze, but I... It For me... Yeah, yeah, and it wasn't from it wasn't my time to yeah uh, to or have the time. Time is precious, yeah. So that's a, that's a big one for me. But um, I know many many years ago I was going to uh, uh, apply to seminary for interfaith ministry, and um, even then. My heart was in it, but it still wasn't the right time for me. So I'm like, I have to live at least three more lives <laughs> to get to where I'm supposed to be. And maybe out with karma, I'll come back. I don't know, as a cow or something. I'm not sure. But anyway, <laughs> so, uh, yeah, so it is what it is. And so I'm just grateful that, I, that Dave and I have been able to do the uh, podcast and the newsletter, which grew, mushroomed into, whoa. You know, that was unexpected as well. So, because um, I want, I still love, I love learning. I love people of other faiths. They're my brothers and sisters. I never thought any different from that. So anyway, so I want to go back to, um, you had, um, and I'm going to ask you about these different things that you said you were hoping to do. Yeah. <laughs> 
going to Kauai for a couple of months, which is great, but you had class assignments still that were due <clears throat> during that time. So tell us about the, the Brahma Kumaras Yoga Center, the Hindu monastery, the native Hawaiian spiritual practices and the Buddhist temples, well, however you want to talk about those. And those were your plans to look at all those and do something in those areas. So tell us what's what, what happened. I, well, I, I had given Day a study plan. And she and she and I agreed that I could zoom the classes, which I did. And uh, so I had this plan. And if you want to make God laugh, tell him your plans. I had planned to visit the Brahma Kumaris Yoga Center in in Kilauea, and it was closed. They had moved and visited once a year instead. I we delayed the visit to the to the Hindu monastery, which I'll talk about soon, um, due to a generous alternative offer. My plan to look at native. Hawaiian spiritual practices there because they are set in law. It, it just didn't happen. It turns out each island has its own law enforcement entity. I had learned that the, the law required that when people request a specific faith tradition while they're incarcerated, that the, the agency much must deliver it. So it turned out it was, that would be uh, taken care of by the, the sheriff's office. And I got on the online and looked up the sheriff's office and it turned out that they had a chaplain program. Aha, let me call them. So I called the first person on the list and I got this very nice fellow and he said, I can't really help you. I'm in Missouri now and not part of that chaplain program. But he did give me the name of the guy in charge of the chaplain program. And I called him and he never called me back. So that didn't happen. Uh, my plan to visit the Buddhist temples was, was overturned because they weren't open. They hadn't reopened after COVID. Okay, Instead, so you did. You're pretty flexible. So you just, <laughs> you have to be, don't you? <laughs> you, you, sh you sure do when you don't really know the, the rules or the culture as well as you think you do. But lots of opportunities came up to me. You know, there was this, this thing of this moment of surrender, and I'm just going to see what happens. So we're going to the uh, Center for Spiritual Living. And I get this wonderful opportunity to, to go to the Hindu monastery, one of my favorite places on earth, a place I've been with you. So tell us uh, uh, more about, there's a husband and wife minister there. Tell us what opportunity they gave you and, and what happened with that. Well, we went over to Reverend Rita and Patrick's house for dinner. And at the end of of a wonderful dinner, um, Patrick said, well, we have a surprise for you. We want you to join us on this private visit to the monastery. Well, where we will 
meet with the, the guru there, the second guru of this amazing place. Um, and we will tour the new temple that they're building across, so it's not really new, but that's across the river that you can't get to without a private tour and go to the Rudraksha forest. Um, something that I haven't been able to do since I went there with you and Dave years ago. So this sounds great. I am thrilled. We accept this wonderful invitation. And then we go to church the day before this is supposed to happen. And I see the people who are being honored as part of this uh, sacred journey program. And I see how excited they are and how they are one. They are, they are together. And because of our experiences in faith and action, I knew I couldn't go. Once the group has formed and become an entity in itself, mm -hmm. new people disturb the energy. And I did not want to do that. So I talked to Reverend Patrick and he was very accepting of my decision not to take part. And my decision is to try to do that next year. So um, tell us then what actually did happen. Uh, I understand you said you and uh, Jerry's cousin was visiting. So the three of you went to the Hindu monastery at that time. And also, I'm going to back up to the Rudrashka forest. Tell Rudrashka. People, tell people more about that, because some people don't understand what that's all about also. But if you want to talk about when you did visit the Hindu monastery, and I, Dave and I did when we visited you many years ago, it was, it's just the most peaceful place on the top of a mountain. Uh, and uh, yeah, so share what happened with uh, your visit. Well, we went up to the monastery with Jerry's cousin and to show her and to also meet my own goals of, of putting together a report on my experiences there. And we did. We took, took cousin Lorraine up there and showed it to her. And it, it touches me in deep, deep places. We went into the, to the, uh, um, under the banyan tree um, and meditated for a while. And, and then we, we walked around and, and looked at the sacred garden and, and went out to look over the, into the Wailua River, which is one of the most beautiful sights that I have ever seen. There's a, a the river flows by and, there's a little waterfall channel that comes um, toward the, the temple. And over to the right is the, the temple that they are, are building there. Um, it's just a gorgeous, gorgeous space. The, we didn't get to the forest on this trip, but I can tell you about it. The original uh, guru there, uh, Guru Diva, who started the place had had been looking for this a place, and he was on a tour that came to Kauai, 
and he's it was a hotel a resort hotel and he stepped on the land and he said this is it this is where we'll build our temple and as part of that effort he planted 108 trees rudraksha trees which produce these beautiful blueberry seeds which fall to the ground and shape into these amazing shapes um those trees are the are one of two forests like that in the world one in Kauai and one in in india now the the uh the blueberry seeds that fall do they harden and then then that turns into the beads or how yes, yes. and then they're drilled um they are for protection and healing and what was this last one healing healing okay well i know we have um a necklace uh, dave has a necklace of those beads in fact i'm gonna they should be hanging right in front of us. <laughs> so that will me on to make sure we have those. They're probably hanging in front of me and I can't see them, but Dave has them somewhere. But they're on my prayer string. I brought up one back for everyone in the in the class because we're making uh, um, prayer beads and looking at the religions that use beads in their practices. The answer to that being almost all religions almost use all. beads in some way, and they have different meanings, and they're very individual. So back to the monastery. After we'd walked around a while, we, we were standing outside the at the entrance to the Kadaval Temple, which is where they have services daily. And there's a female attendant there. And a couple of people are gathered there. And she says to us, come and take a peek inside. Come look inside. And so we did. And Jerry's cousin took out her phone to take a picture. And this attendant and I, in the same breath, said, no photos. <laughs> and then we stopped and we connected. And she took my hand and said, thank you. And I told her that I was in interfaith ministerial school and had been there to the temple so many times as part of that, what I'm doing now. And she said, thank you. Thank you for being part of the path to joining all faiths together to celebrate together our individual beliefs and be at one. It was really a moment for me, my best moment at the monastery this year. I was going to say that's probably better than have been in the, uh, than you having been in that group. It, it was. <laughs> had your it was own, mine. Oh, yeah. Your own. Uh, God had that plan for you, you know. I do. Yeah. He. Uh, he. She. Entity. Spirit. spirit um, has plans that we can't even imagine so that's those are beautiful beautiful stories and i 
I, I came home and I actually did a, I was still painting with acrylics and I have, I took a photograph from that hill looking down on the river and I did a painting and uh, I still have it somewhere, <laughs> but um, yeah. So I, you know, this is, I have to tell folks that are listening that this is a selfish, <laughs> I'm very selfish because <laughs> um, whatever Suzanne's saying today brings back amazing memories for me and Dave also. So we, you know, that's all right. This is our program. We can do what we want. <laughs> but uh, we, we're hoping that you feel some of that spirituality that Suzanne experienced while she was there. And well, what we experienced too, I'm, I'm choking up again. You know, I'm getting to do this every time I do a podcast. Like people go, is that all she does is cry? But anyway, it's emotional. <laughs> emotional appreciation of the connection that Suzanne and the respect. And it, it was a namaste moment uh, for Suzanne and that lady at the Hindu temple, for sure. Absolutely. absolutely. And we know what namaste means, right? Unity people out there. We know that when you, when you do that, you can't see me doing this because this is a podcast, but <laughs> folding your hands and praying and saying, you see the, the divine in me sees the divine in you. So this is what it's all about folks. So Suzanne had that moment and she, um, um, it was meant to be because she was reaching out and spirit connected her. Absolutely. So, um, the other homework you had was to go to a Buddhist temple. And you said earlier that uh, they weren't open <laughs> due to COVID, which is like, what? <laughs> okay, because uh, here in the, in the United States, over here on the mainland, uh, many things have opened up with uh, masks and so forth, but there they haven't. So uh, tell us about your Buddhist experience with the, this couple you met and how all that evolved. Well, you know, just when I'm feeling like, Oh, no, I'm not accomplishing what I came here to do. I didn't get to go visit the jail and, and talk to people who were doing Native American practices. Um, I, I didn't go to the monastery with, with the, the Hindu monastery. I didn't go to any Hindu temples, although we drove by three. They were locked up, tighter than a drum. So... I'm in the the pool in the in the the uh, uh, condos where we were staying, and this fellow Trevor, sort of my bodhisattva, leading me to the right places on Kauai, says to me, "You ought to talk to Al and Diana. They're Buddhists." So I met them there in the pool that day. And they invited me to their house to talk to them. And so I wrote a few questions and thought it was going to be just a, a half hour interview. And I got there. And the first thing he says to me is, you're welcome to record this. Which 
is always surprising to me. Most people don't want that. And then he and his wife, Diana, totally opened up to me. We spent two and a half hours together. I learned the chant, which is Nam Mayo Renge Kyo. Nam Mayo Mayo Renge Kyo. And I learned about their practices. I learned about their their personal altars. They, they, They gave me their histories. They told me their story. Al had been uh, working as a newspaper reporter when he met a fellow reporter who invited him to come to this group that he attended. And it was a a chanting, well, Nichiran, a a Nichiran Buddhism group, but it's mostly Japanese. Um, And so Al went and it really worked for him. And so he began attending on a weekly basis, this Nichiran group, and he learned to to do the chant and felt that it was enriching him. And then Diana came later after they had moved from their current home to, to Hermosa Beach, which is, by the way, next door to the town I grew up in. She became an English teacher at Maricosta High School there. And he went to work for a company where the Nichiran program initiated, but it's called the, I'm gonna take a a look at this Hawaiian word. Um, Sakugake, it's a global community-based Buddhist organization that promotes peace-centered values, uh, among other things, activism against weapons of mass destruction. So I thought that probably a a good and interesting thing. So did they. Uh, Nichiran came out of Japanese Buddhism um, in answer to to Shintoism, which was the, the, the religion of Japan. Um, based on teachings of a person called Nichiran in the 13th century. The basic practice is chanting the Nam Myo Renge Kyo chant, um, reciting portions of the Lotus Sutra and sharing, the and, and to large degree, sharing the teachings of Buddhism to others. And that the the premise is helping. How can I help? What can I do to make this a better world, to make your life better? Uh, It's very individualized and very personal. And these two clearly demonstrated that by all of the activities they're involved in. They're in a local group of, of, uh, chanting Buddhism, they, they uh, are involved in uh, uh, the Interfaith Alliance there. Um, and, and that's, that's they're just ROK, Interfaith Roundtable of Kauai? Yeah, ROKA. 
or IROC, actually. IROC, Interfaith Roundtable of Kauai. <clears throat> and that's like uh, an interfaith council in a sense, isn't it? Uh, where people get together from different faith traditions. And with really good intentions, like we had for years and years. It's, it was hard to get that going because we would become involved in uh, raising money and, uh, you know, oh, can you help? You know, the, the religions would all represent different events, but they weren't doing the discussions and they weren't as diverse in their, in their messages. Um, the, the, the group in Kauai recently received an award and it was for involving people getting a group of interfaith organizations to work together to make sure people had a Thanksgiving dinner. And it was a big deal and they were honored for it by the, the national organization that supports interfaith groups. However, there was a little disappointment among people because they weren't really doing what they intended. Uh, they were there to gather to share their faiths and explore the local diversity to see what was similar and what was different, um, very much like our own. Um, they promote understanding, respect, and harmony among the diversity of uh, belief systems. And that was all that, that's great to have an intention. It's hard to make real. And put it into action then. Put it into action. Well, next year, Dave and I are talking. I don't know if you remember years ago, and I think there was this 2010 era. There was a program, nationwide program called Common Tables. And it was inter people of various faith traditions coming together to break bread and talk. <laughs> and I really wanted to get that going at uh, Pioneer. And we just didn't have the energy or the resources at the time. So it didn't happen. But in, in 2023, Dave and I are going to start um, and, and squeeze <laughs> six couples uh, into our little place and start something like that, and then hope it will mushroom into um, other people hosting or eventually maybe Spiritual Life Center hosting, that type of a thing, where people come together, like you said, put it into action, break bread and start talking and making those connections. Yeah. I think our intentions are really great and wonderful, and we're learning and we learn about the similarities and differences, but actually what you did in Kauai to connect with people was what we're trying to do, what we want to do more of. And of course, with COVID, it was not a, a, an easy thing to do. But um, I just love, and I would just want to tell you, uh, listeners, that all of this information that Suzanne, uh, and she's written two more stories, one about the Buddhists, a connection, uh, and also one about her visit to the Hindu monastery, and the information she just gave about the the Buddhist Nichiren Buddhist Japanese culture. All of this information I'm going to put in our next newsletter. Our November will be in our November newsletter as information 
so that um, you can hear it and read it too. So, and do your own explorations. But I wanna kind of close with this question, this particular section, Suzanne, and you mentioned that you, would, you might wanna read uh, from a, the Buddhist pamphlet they gave uh, that you found about there's no way to legislate. So I, I, I got this pamphlet from Al and Diana, uh, Winning Ways is what it's called. And in it was this beautiful quote. And here it is. There is no way to legislate, dictate, or force peace onto humanity. As Daisuku Makata writes in the foreword to his book, The Human Revolution. Revolution of character in an individual will help achieve a change in the destiny of a nation and further will cause a change in the destiny of all humankind. Mm. I think that's lovely. It's that's, just, that's it's individual. That's yeah, we all need to change. Well, that's where it begins. The the peace begins with us. The love, we have to remember that we're divine love. That's, you know, strip us naked. That's what we are, divine love. That's what we're here to, to spread. And and if we remember that and, and do that, that's, and it's, it becomes a ping pong effect. You know, you, you changed that when you went to that Hindu temple that day, that lady will remember that interchange with you forever. I certainly hope so. You weren't just a tour eye, a tourist. <laughs> or a spiritual being and honoring their what they're doing there, their faith traditions. So beautiful. So um while you were there in October, in uh, yeah, you were out there October, November, um, you're receiving our uh Interfaith Explorers newsletter. <laughs> and you shared with me that you um, you wanted to share that with some people. So tell us tell us why you did that and who you who you shared it with, who you sent it to, or who you asked me to send it to. Well, there are two people. One is at the the CSL Kauai, the associate minister, who's the outreach person, uh, Diane Decker. Um as well as Reverends Rita and Patrick, I wanted that church to receive it because they're kind of like spiritual life center in being that place where people gather that aren't in a specific denomination and do want to cross those lines. So I wanted them to receive your newsletter. And then I called the, the uh, representative of Kapaz Interfaith Association because there was an article in the paper about them winning this award. And I thought she would be interested in seeing what, what can be done so that there's hope that while it's not what they want it to be now, it can be that. They just have to keep taking one step forward at a time. So both of those people have been added to the, the newsletter list. And I really believe just 
reading that, for me, it changes my perspective. I, I went with the group to a Buddhist center here because I read it in the newsletter. Uh, this Buddhist temple is down the street from where I live. Yeah, Lions but I had never been there before and wouldn't have if I did not know about the interfaith newsletter and read it religiously. I'm, I'm not a person who had, has listened to a podcast before. I probably will do this one. <laughs> well, we have 23 you can listen to, and they're about an hour each. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> On a rainy day. <laughs> um, I, so I just had a thought, Suzanne, and I'm good. this is homework for you, so write this down. That for my, um, and I'm putting together the copy for the November newsletter. And I would like you to send me a copy of the article that, that uh, honors uh, the, um, the church uh, in Kauai for their uh, Thanksgiving dinner. It's not the church. That's the alliance. The alliance. Okay, just send me that. Because in our newsletter, we have a section called spotlight interface spotlight and i like to spotlight an organization or some something that's um making a difference and i think uh, because we're the newsletter is going to be a, a lot about you and your experiences and all this your stories and stuff and so i would like to honor that uh people in Kauai, that organization okay uh, i'll do I that think that would be uh Beautiful. And I'm also going to say again that um, under an, uh, the section called Happenings, where people go out and they experience something, um, but Suzanne is going to have two more stories. It's going to be called Kauai Hindu Monastery Visit. That's the first story. And the second one will be Chanting Buddhism, Nam Myoho Renge Kyo. So look pretty good, up. Rachel. Yes. And I, I've been <laughs> meditating and chanting. Yeah. But listen, what look for those in our Interfaith Explorers newsletter. And if you don't get that, go to Spiritual Life Center's website, www.slcworld.org. When you're there at the very top, click on connect, scroll down to Interfaith Explorers. And on that page, there's links to sign up for our newsletter. There's links to our podcast and links to all of the activities we're doing currently. Um, we have one more thing uh, for December, but I'm not going to take time up to mention that. So in, in, uh, we're coming sort of to the end of our podcast, but I want to give you the opportunity to, um, uh, to talk about um, well, I was going to ask you, why do you think studying and becoming an interfaith minister is important? But I, I think your heart is so, <laughs> so out there that, yeah, you could answer that if you want. And also, if you have any um, personal message for people about interfaith, about your journey, whatever you want to, whatever you want to say, it's your time. Okay. Okay, for me, the, the reason that I got into the, the interfaith study program is it's part of my lifelong journey, just like you. 
Um, this is something I wanted to do since the beginning. People wouldn't say, oh, they were going off to interfaith and they were going to New York City or they were going to San Francisco. So it's getting closer. I'm not I'm not a big city gal. <laughs> so when it ended up in my backyard, at the first meeting with Dakota and the others who are going to be in the class, she kept trying to give us what this is going to be and how it's going to be. And, and I said, no, you don't have to do that. I'm in. This is my time. This is my place. This is something I've wanted to do for so long. I knew it was for me. I don't know yet what that will mean. I don't have visions of being standing up in, a in front of a bunch of people and being a minister. I think it will probably be about writing, but it will be about me and what I have to say. When she, when she asked me the question, what is it? I said, I, I'm very attracted to the word Bodhisattva. I want to introduce people into their spiritual nature. I want them to know that they are spirit at work. And, and it's for them. It's a gift to them for them to share with the world. And that's a it's the right thing for me. One more thing I, I'd like to say is I, as I look at the variety and diversity of belief systems and what is absolutely clear to me is it's the way toward peace. It's, it's the thing we can do to make peace. We need to know each other. We need to link with each other. We need to understand each other. And then we need to be ourselves with each other. So we can know, we can know spirit together. We can bring that experience to our, our lives. We can bring that experience to ourselves. And for this, I am so grateful. One more thing. Thank you, Rachel and Dave, for all you do to inspire me and everybody else to explore other faiths, other worlds, other places. You're a beauty. And I love you. Oh, thank you so much, Suzanne. And it was just a, a the perfect um, the perfect podcast. Uh, both our hearts were showing. And um, I love you dearly. Um, also, if you have questions, Suzanne said she would be willing to answer questions via email. Is that all right? Sure. Give your email address. So Suzanne Joy Livingston's email address is joyous at sbcglobal.net. That's J as in journey, O-Y-U-S as in Sam, at S as in Sam, bcglobal.net. So if you have any questions, um, and also um, regarding the Spiritual Leadership and Peace Studies Program. Oh, yeah. Um, I guess, I think in the newsletter, I will ask D Dakota if I could give her contact information for that. And I don't know if she's planning 
to do another session next year or what what her plans are for that. She so, is. Uh, but if people um, want to know, um, and then, like I said, and I reiterate that a lot of the things you heard today will be written in our newsletter so you can uh, find out more about it, do your own exploration. And I wanted to say one thing when you're talking about the Japanese uh, Buddhist, that that is one area. We did actually a podcast this year on four Buddhist sanghas, four Buddhist uh, areas, and Japanese was one of them. And there is a Japanese Buddhist community here, very, very large in Sacramento that we have never gone to. So um, I've been trying to maybe make a connection and do a field trip maybe next year on that. So that's in our, our, our works. But we thank you so much for listening today. And um, next month is December. So it's kind of a, it'll be Dave and I doing a year end uh, wrap up uh, for our news, uh, for our podcast. And also we have some, we're doing our plan, starting to do our planning for next year for events, field trips, uh, whatever. And of course, next year also is a Parliament of World Religions uh, in Chicago. Unfortunately, Dave and I won't be attending because of uh, uh, health issues, but um, we certainly would encourage anybody and everybody to attend. And we'll keep putting information about that out there too. And we might do a Wednesday night program for sure, or be a part of a program next year that SLC might put on about that parliament. So stay tuned. We have more interfaith adventures ahead. And we say to you, keep doing what Suzanne did. Just talk to people and build those connections of loving peace. And namaste. Thank you for joining us today to experience and explore a deeper understanding of our interfaith look at the world. Our Interfaith Connection podcasts are aired on the fourth Thursday of each month on Spiritual Life Center's website. You can also find them on your internet provider on the Podbean app. We want to hear from you, so send any comments, questions, or suggestions about our podcast to interfaith at slcworld.org. That's interfaith at slcworld.org because we want to know about your interfaith heart. As I close, let us all remember the words of Gandhi when he said, a peaceful exploration of all faiths is our sacred duty. Namaste.